welcome to the Race Advisor podcast. Step inside the world of horse racing and winning with betting strategies, psychology, how to increase your betting profits and insights on horse racing. Hi there, and welcome to the first in a new series of um, videos and podcasts I'm going to make. They're kind of informal, and uh, you'll be able to watch them, you'll be able to listen to them, and just looking at different things, questions I get asked, um, uh, things I've written about on the Race Advisor, uh, and generally horse racing and sports betting in general. And uh, they're going to be informal. Uh, You can see I'm just filming this from... um, my living room at the moment and uh, you can even see my uh, my daughter's got some toys out that she had on the table earlier and there's some shoes up there in the cupboard from uh, my days as a designer but today I like to focus on tipsters uh, I get quite a few emails uh, every month about um, becoming a tipster people who want to become a sports tipster I've already started becoming a sports tipster, struggling with it, don't feel they're earning enough from it, uh, and just asking questions about how the tipster business works. So the question is, is it a badass lucrative business or is it a grind? And that's what I want to talk about today. So being a sports tipster sounds a little bit like the dream job, like you get up in the morning, you find your selections, uh, you send them out to your followers, and then you go and get on with your day whilst earning thousands and thousands of pounds a month. And that's what uh, a lot of websites will have you believe. Um, And that belief gets perpetuated um, by tipsters themselves and by tipster management companies or or digital publishers, as they're also known, because uh, tipsters want to look successful, publishing companies want to look successful, um, and success generally these days seems to be measured in monetary terms, um, as a general speaking. Uh, I'm not saying that is how I personally believe it should be measured, um, I don't, but that seems to be how it is measured in the Western world. Um, and so tipsters and, and publishing companies want to show they've got uh, a lot of members, a lot of people following their selections, that they make you a lot of profit because um, that's what everything is based on. So maybe um, you're one of these people who's dreamt about being a sports tipster. Um, or perhaps you are actually already registered with one of those uh, publishing companies out there. Um, I mean, you may even have your own tipping service already. And if you do, kudos, great. Uh, I know that's really, really hard to, to do, to jump off the deep end and just get into that. So well done. But whatever way you slice it, um, as people publish it uh, and as people talk about it, it looks like it's a pretty nice stress-free life. Uh, so that begs the question, is everything as it seems? Um, and generally, when things look really easy, stress-free, um, you know, you earn lots of money for doing very little, um, generally things aren't quite what they seem. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. And before I get started, I just want to, um, for those of you who are new uh, to the Race Advisor, uh, give a little bit of background. So for over more than a decade, um, I've found that horse race bettors try and complicate the process of finding selections. And I know that feeling because I used to do it myself. Um, 
And it's not surprising that you do that or that people do that because there is a mountain of information available about every single horse in a race. So it seems inconceivable that anything simple um, is going to work to find you winners and a consistent profit. And, And actually, there's a big difference between finding winners and making a consistent profit, but I'll save that for another episode. Um, and at the race advisor, we have quite a few full-time tipsters who use the race advisor pro to find their selections. And as well as that, the race advisor has been a publisher in the horse racing industry since 2009. So I've got a strong understanding of how the industry works and the expectations of betters who are looking to become tipsters. And so that's what this is about. It's about how to become a tipster, how it really works. It's for anybody who's thought about becoming a tipster or anyone, if you're already on that journey, it's for you as well. Um, or just if you're kind of curious and, and, and you want to know, is this for real? You know, if I'm really good at making a profit from my betting, then um, can I can I add to my income by being a sports tipster? So I'm going to start by defining what I call the tipster's dream. Um, and... This is the dream that you have or when you first think about becoming a sports tipster. And it's the dream sold by the publishing companies we were talking about earlier. Um, And this dream, which we're going to define in a minute, but this dream is that you can make thousands of pounds every single month by being a sports tipster. And that is true. I'm going to say that right now. That is possible. It's absolutely true. You can do that. But... And here's the big thing. But like most things, it's true for the small percentage of very successful tipsters. And for everybody else, you know, the hundreds of tipsters that you see out there, the thousands of them, uh, the reality is actually very different. So if you want to get a real picture of what you might be able to earn um, through a publisher who... mm, takes tipsters and promotes tipsters, ask them what their average tipster takes home each month. Um, And that's probably going to be a very different amount to the maximum they've ever paid any tipster in a month. Um, And then ask them the same question, but ask if they can just remove the top 10% of their earners. So so the top 10% 10 most successful tipsters from that average and and then see what figure they give you. Because this, this number is likely to surprise you even more. And if you think removing 10% is a bit higher, look at it like this. Um, a publishing company might have anywhere from 5 to uh, 50 active tips to services at one time, depending on the size of the publishing company. And at the bottom end of that scale, if we take out 10%, then we're not taking out any because that would be 10% of 5, which is half. And we can't just remove half a tipster. So nothing's changed. At the top end of that scale, where the service has got 50, uh, a publishing company has got 50 active services, we were asking them to remove 10%, which is five tipsters. Five tipsters. That's not very many. So they're still giving you an average based on 45 out of 50 tips, active tipster services that they would have. So we're not asking them to remove a huge amount of tipsters from this average. We're just asking them to take out the super successful ones so we can get a picture of what the average tipster earns. And there's nothing to say that if you start tipping, you're not going to be super successful, obviously. Um, but this is just helps to give a little bit of perspective on what you 
can actually get. So, defining um, what the tipster's dream is, here's how I personally see the tipster's dream. Um, the tipster's dream is that anybody can do this. It's available to anybody. If you can pick a selection, um, whether it's horse racing, football, tennis, doesn't matter. If you can pick a selection, you can be a tipster. Um, then the next part of this dream is that picking selections, you, you've got to be able to pick selections that win, obviously, because if you can't pick selections, anyone can just pick a name out of a book. But if you can't pick selections that win, um, then you haven't really got a tipping service. Um, however, very few people consider the long-term profit. By long-term, I mean year plus. Now, that's not usually in the dream. It's just, hey, I've won. I've done really well in the last four weeks. Maybe I can do this as a tipster. Maybe I can sell, sell the system I've made. The third part is that they earn thousands of pounds, which we've already talked about. So you can make a lot of money doing very little. And then you step back and you just kind of enjoy life. Enjoy all the earnings that you're making and the profits from your betting and, and, and life's great. So that's how I see the tipster's dream in, in four big brushstrokes. So the question that we want to ask ourselves here is, is that dream achievable? Now, I mean, anybody can stand up and claim to be a tipster. All you need to do is share your sports tips with people and you don't even uh, need to have anybody following them. As long as you post it somewhere online that's public, you can say that you're a tipster. You can post them for free. It doesn't matter. You're a tipster. Um, but that doesn't mean you're making any money from being a tipster. So as a tipster, you're actually running a business. And personally, I don't think running a tipster business is like running any other business because you're asking people to trust you enough to follow your advice with their money. Um, and that gives a responsibility that makes it so important that you can follow through with what you are saying you can achieve. Um, which is obviously making a profit from your tipsters, your, your tipster service, your selections, your sports betting tips. Um, it is possible for your tips to make a long-term profit and your followers, the people following your tips, not to, but I'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, but as long as your tips make a long-term profit and that can be verified, um, then you've fulfilled your obligation. Um, now, of course, I'm going to go over this very briefly. Of course, there are always the unscrupulous people out there um, who will say anything and do anything, um, but I'm not interested in them, um, and that's totally immoral as far as I'm concerned, and that's not the way uh, I believe you should treat people. Um, and or do business. So, there are four questions that I think any budding tipster should ask themselves. And the first question is, are you long-term profitable? The second question is, can you prove it? The third question is, how are you going to be affected when people are relying on your selections? And the fourth question is, why should someone follow you? Now, briefly, if you, are you long-term profitable? And at this point, I'm not talking about if I've just built a system on historic data and it's profitable. Great. 
Um, I mean, you might build a system on historic data. That's how most of us do it. But the question of long-term profitability is about whether you've made a profit by betting on those selections in the long term. And by long term, I mean a year plus. Um, preferably longer, to be honest, but a year plus. And if you haven't um, made that profit yourself by betting them in the long term, um, then you're probably not ready to consider becoming a tipster yet. Keep betting your selections. Keep tracking your results. Um, when you can confidently show to yourself that you can make that long-term profit, then, if you're still interested in becoming a tipster, might be the time that you want to consider it again. Being able to prove, second question, can you prove uh, your profitability? Being able to prove your profit is very important, but um, there is no publishing company that I know of who are just going to believe any results that you send them because, sadly, um, people will fake their profits to get a tipster service launched. And for that reason publishers will ask you to proof your service live and usually that proofing period is somewhere between three and six months it varies and if you're not asked to proof your selections live to them then my personal advice is to steer well clear of that particular publishing company and the reason for that is because if they're not asking for you uh, to proof your selections live then there is a high chance that they will be making the majority of their earnings. Don't forget, a publishing company is a business. They are out there to make money. Um, so they will make the majority of their earnings by launching your service. And after the launch, they're not really interested in what happens. So they just want to know the figures that they're going to have at launch date. Um, and they're not really interested in the longevity because you'll be forgotten and they'll have moved on. So... That's why I wouldn't use any service that doesn't ask me to proof live. Because they will probably promote anybody. Um, in other words, they're not trying to build a good reputation for themselves and their tipsters. And that's ultimately not going to help you and it's not going to help your followers. Um, so most publishing companies are going to ask you to proof between three and six months with them. And is that long enough? to know whether a tipster is long-term profitable. The truth is probably not. Uh, but realistically, um, it's not viable for most publishing companies to ask a tipster to prove for a year or longer um, before doing anything. And what they'll do instead is alongside that proofing request, that live proofing, they'll ask for your historic selections, uh, and they'll compare the two so that you can see if the selections look like they're coming from the same selection method. Um, they'll consider past strike rates, profit returns against the live proofing to see is there a similarity? Statistically, does it look like they are matching up? Um, it's not an exact science and some companies are going to be stricter than other companies. Um, and a general rule of thumb is that the harder it is to become a tipster for a publishing company, um, the more likelihood you have of having a long-term successful tipping service. Question three, um, will you be affected by people relying on you? Now, this is a hugely underestimated difficulty of being a sports tipster. How you are personally affected emotionally by other people relying on your selections. If you use a systematic approach to finding your selections, it's probably going to affect you a bit less. But at the moment, 
the majority of tipsters I know um, use a more manual approach to finding their selections. And that means it's possible to go on tilt. And if you go on tilt, which is, I know it's a poker phrase, um, but we can use it in horse racing as well. If you go on tilt, which means that um, your emotions are starting to control how you make your selections as opposed to your skill. And if you go on tilt, um, you're going to start making the wrong selections. Um, you're not going to find the profit that you have historically. Um, obviously, your results are going to drop and people aren't going to think that you are any good at what you do. Hmm. So how do you work out if this is going to affect you or not? So here's how I would suggest you do it. Think if you have five or ten friends following your selections. Is that going to bother you? Is that going to affect you if you get a losing streak? Um, then think, well, how would you feel if every single one of your Facebook friends or every single one of your friends, if you're not on Facebook, were following your selections? Now, how would you feel? You know, maybe that's no longer your closest five, ten friends. Now you're talking about maybe anywhere from, you know, 20, 30 to 100, a couple of hundred people. Um, sort of acquaintance circle, shall we say. How would you feel now if you went through a downswing? How would that affect you? Now think about it again, but this time imagine each of those friends are paying you £50 a month to get your selections. How would you feel now if you got a few losers in a row? You had a couple of weeks losing on the trot, let alone a couple of months losing on the trot. What happens if those friends start sending you messages about the fact that your selections aren't doing very well at the moment. How would that now make you feel? So that emotion, that responsibility can actually play a huge impact on whether um, owning a tipping service and being a tipster is something that's actually going to suit you. Um, because you have to be able to not let your emotions come into play because we all get losing days, we all get losing weeks, we all get losing months, we all get losing quarters, like it, it's part of the game. So you can't let that affect you if you run a tipster service. And finally, the last question, question four, why would someone follow you? This is just, this is just a gentler question, but it's a good question to ask yourself if you want to start a tipping service. There's a lot of tipsters out there, uh, hundreds of them. Um, so there's a lot of competition. So what makes you different? And don't think it's just about profit. It's not just about profit. It's not just about making more money than the next person. Um, it, maybe you've got a really high strike rate and you want to give people a way to make a small return um, regularly with a really high strike rate and low risk. Uh, maybe you have uh, you, you just cater for weekend racing. Uh, just focus on weekend people. Or maybe you only find one horse a day. Um, you know, so there's not a huge amount of betting or you, you bet anti-post or whatever it is. Just write it down in one sentence. What it is that makes you different as a tipster. OK, and if you can stay away from profit, because if you're a tipster, the assumption is you can make a profit. Um, actually, if profit is your primary um, reason for people to come with you, you're missing something because... Every tipster's supposedly making a profit, so um, so that doesn't make that that's not unique to you as a person and or to you as a tipster. So think about what it might be that makes you unique as a tipster. Um, 
Now, running a tipping service, and this is going to go a, a little bit against the grain, but running a tipping service is not just about profit. Um, if only tipping was just about profit, uh, that'd be great. But unfortunately, it's not just about profit. And it brings me back to what I mentioned earlier, which is that it's possible for your tips to make a profit and your followers to make a loss. So how, how does that happen? So it happens like this. Because some of the people following you are going to... Uh, bet stakes bigger than their bankroll can cope with. They're not going to follow all your selections. They might miss some legitimately. Uh, they might decide that they don't want to bet on some because they disagree with you um, with your selection. Um, some people may stop betting during a downswing. That's the most common thing. Uh, tips to hits a downswing and the followers stop betting on it because they're not actually confident enough that that tipster can deliver long-term results. Which brings us back to the very first question we asked about, are you confident that you can deliver long-term results? Um, but if you stop betting during the downswing, the chances are you're going to miss the upswing. Um, um, some bettors may change their stakes day to day, so they're not consistent in their betting. And any of these things and a number of other things could result in your followers making a loss, even if your tips are making a profit. So understanding your followers, your audience's expectations is key to having a tipping service that's going to stand the test of time. Um, so as a general rule of thumb, um, tipping services uh, from the big publishing companies aim to fit into parameters that are kind of a little bit like this they aim to have around two to five selections a day um they have a fairly high strike rate so there's regular winners um they aim to have the smallest bankroll possible uh obviously you need to really have tips every day or at least the majorities of the day 365 days of the year uh, 365 days of the year with rate, the days that are racing, obviously, uh, Christmas Day and others excluded. Um, and they want you really to make a uh, 20% return or higher. Now, I'm sure you know because you're watching this video um, or listening to this podcast, but I'm sure you know that fulfilling all those criteria in one go, in one tipping service, is going to be nigh on impossible. Because because the numbers just don't stack. Um, the numbers just don't stack. And once you understand that, once you've accepted that the numbers don't stack, that's fine. But understanding that these are the parameters that most tips to publishing companies go after, and they go after that because um, that is what most bettors are looking for, um, understanding that means that you start to understand your audience as a tipster. You start to understand what people who may follow you are going to be interested in, or why they may follow you, with what their expectations are going to be. And the biggest um, reason for people to stop following you and following your selections is losing streaks, without any shadow of a doubt, because... 
99% of bettors do not understand losing streaks. I mean, they, they think losing streaks happen, but a losing streak might be one loss here or a day lost there or even two or three days losing, you know, possibly a week. But um, most bettors do not understand how losing streaks work and how they can affect your betting. Um, so whilst uh, you may think that a 25% strike rate is really good, um, understanding that, that means you're going to lose 75% of your bets is something totally different. Because nobody focuses on that part. No one talks about that bit. This tips has got a 20% strike rate. This tips has got a 30% strike rate. Oh, they're really good. They've got a 30% strike rate. They're still losing 70% of their bets. And that's not to say they're not going to make a profit. That's to say that there are going to be some long losing streaks in there. I don't mean a couple of days or a couple of weeks. There's going to be a couple of months uh, where it's just losing, a little bit up, losing, a little bit up, losing. That's why you need your bankroll. But most bettors don't understand that. So if you're going to start a tipping service, if you want to start a tipping service, my advice would be to tackle that problem from day one. The minute someone starts following you, start tackling that misunderstanding of losing streaks. Because if if your followers can understand how the losing streaks work for your service, what they can expect, how long they can expect them to be, then you have a chance of actually making them a long-term profit, which is obviously exactly what you want to do. So there are two methods um, generally accepted methods that you can become a tipster um, and we kind of touched on them briefly one's using the publishing company uh, and one is doing it yourself there's no right way there's no wrong way um, they're just different usually you might make that decision based on um, your skills uh, your time available um, and such so um Sorry, that was my computer just pinging. It might ping again. Bear with me. But um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to list the pros and cons as I see them of going with a publishing company, running a business yourself. So if you're going to run the business yourself, the pros are you're in complete control. All the profit's yours. You can run it exactly as you want it. Pardon me. And ultimately, it's your business. You can do with it as you want. The cons of running it yourself is that you've got to build and design a website. You've got to uh, run all the membership contact, whether it's a member's area, emails, phone, SMS, however you're delivering your selections. And it might be more than one way. You've got to manage and run that. Uh, you've got to support all your followers, all your members. Uh, you've got to do all the marketing and you've got to build your audience. Now, as a publisher... If you go through the publisher method, the pros of using a publisher for your tips is that everything is done for you. And that's basically the pro. Everything is done for you. There's no marketing required, no technical skills needed. You don't have any time to spend running the business. You just find your selections and you submit them. Job done. The cons, the negatives of it are that you don't have full ownership of your service, um, you probably won't be able to brand it. The service name, the selections, the data belonging to the selections, all that usually 
belongs to the third party. Not always, but, but often. And obviously, you're only going to earn between 20 to 40% of the fees that are paid for the service. So the publishing companies are going to take somewhere between 60 and 80% of the fees. And I'll come to that in a minute. Um, so don't don't make uh, a cement your ideas. Think, oh, that's a ridiculous amount. Um, I'm going to explain where they go before you make your decision. So in summary, if you want to do it yourself, you are starting a business and you should be clear that you are starting a business. And if you want it to succeed, you're going to have to put in the time that it needs um, to do that as well as finding your selections and if you're not au fait with marketing with websites then you may need to learn new skills um, to be able to do that as well alternatively if you use a, a third-party publishing company um, all you got to do is submit your selections and go away for the day um, so I said I didn't want you to jump to conclusions based on the percentages that a publishing company is going to take, which is between 60 and 80%. Because I want to talk about what you're actually likely to earn. So this is probably the bit you've been waiting for. Uh, <laughs> how much is your new tips to service actually going to make? Now, the common misconception is that if you've got 100 followers paying you £30 a month, um, you're going to earn £3,000 a month. And on the face of it, that makes sense. 30, 100 followers, £30 a month, £3,000 a month. Unfortunately, whatever route you choose to go down, be it um, running your own business or using a publisher, um, you're going to have expenses. Obviously, with the publisher, you've got to pay a percentage, and with the business, you've got expenses. So going forwards for this short section here, I'm just going to assume that um, your service has 100 followers and they're paying you £30 a month. So let's start with the publisher because that is super easy to work out. There's a £3,000 income coming from your fees and you're paying the publisher between 60% and 80%. So that means you as a tipster are going to earn somewhere between £600 and £1,200 a month. Uh, and don't forget, for that, all you're doing is um, finding your selections and submitting them. Nothing else. There is nothing else to do. Now, if you're wondering why they're charging 60 to 80%, Here's what that 60 to 80% will go on. It's going to go on the website design and the building of the website, maintenance of it if necessary, hosting, um, members area hosting and management of the members area, um, delivery, email delivery maybe, phone, SMS, however um, they are delivering your selections, um, the hosting and the management of that, uh, any marketing materials, so uh, graphic design, uh, logos, sales copy, um, all of those elements that, that go in. Um, the access to a ready-made audience who are interested in tipping services. Um, continued growth of that audience so they can find you new followers. Um, regular marketing of your service, although that is usually dependent on the performance of the service and the publishing company you're with, uh, customer support, and all of the bank um, and payment processor fees and charges. So that's what that uh, 60 to 80% goes on. Um, now, as a business owner, Obviously, it makes sense to earn 100% of, of the income you're earning from providing your tips. 
rather than give away up to 80% of it. But if we look at all those items, um, the chances are is you're going to have somewhere between one and £3,000 startup costs. Um, and there are probably around £750 a month ongoing. Can you do it for less than that ongoing? Yeah, you could probably do it for 100 quid. Um, but you're not going to be able to continue to grow your audience. Um, you're not going to be able to find new followers for that. Um, so realistically, 750 is uh, a more realistic figure if you are planning on running your own business. Uh, and that's still assuming that you're going to be doing the majority of the work. Um, so a marketing agency might charge you a thousand pounds a month just for the basic marketing elements before anything else. So that that 750 is quite conservative um, if you're just going to run it yourself. But that's not to say you can't do it for a lot less. Um, you can, and it will just mean a lot more time, uh, and it will probably grow a lot slower, which is fine. It doesn't necessarily need to grow fast. But um, even at 750 and for anyone who started their own business you're gonna know the amount of time you put in at the beginning um is gonna massively outweigh whatever you take out of it and don't forget um i've not included really your time in there i mean that's just the real basics of servers and hosting and membership acts for um sites and plugins that you need to do all the technological stuff um, so any time that you need to spend learning how to use tools or building websites or connecting things or any, any of that stuff, that's all that's all additional. Um, so let's say we're looking at 750 a month for argument's sake. That's going to leave 2,250 from the 3,000 that you're getting in your fees. Um, and then you've got bank charges to take away from that as well. So you're going to be left with around 2,100. And then let's just say there's 100 quid for the stuff we've forgotten about. So you're going to be left with around 2,000 from the 3,000. Um, and obviously, hopefully your business is going to grow. It's going to get bigger. You're going to get more followers. And your costs will increase alongside um, the amount of people who follow you. Uh, so those costs are going to grow so the bottom line is doing it yourself you will be able to take more money out but you're going to be doing a full-time job um, as well as finding your selections because you're starting a business it's, it's a it's a business um, hence there are publishing companies that run to publish um, tipsters selections because they are running the business and the tipster is providing the information um, uh, and the tipsters in that scenario are interested in running their business. They just want to provide the information. They want to focus on the skill they're good at. Um, and, and the publishing company focuses on the skill that it's good at. Um, so if you are thinking of going down your the route of doing it yourself, that's brilliant. But just bear in mind that you will be running a business uh, and it is going to take up a lot of your time outside of the selection finding process. So the question is, is do you want a full-time job running a business and are you happy with what you're likely to end up earning for that time? And bear in mind, if you start starting a business from scratch, um, you're not going to start with 100 followers. 
You might start with five or ten, and it could take weeks, months, however long to build up that trust, uh, that network of people, that marketing um, power, or whatever. I, I don't know sure the right word for it, but in that marketing oomph um, to be able to get more followers in. Um, so hopefully that's a little bit of food for thought there. And just something else to bear in mind if you're thinking about using a publisher is that just because one publisher is paying a higher percentage than another publisher doesn't mean that they're the best publisher to go with. Um, you should also consider the reputation of the publisher, uh, the quality of their current tipsters, their market reach and branding. Does that align? Do you like the way they market? Do you like the way they brand? Does that align with you as a person? Um, and ask them. How many members do they expect on average at launch? They'll give you vague numbers because it's impossible to tell you how many members you're going to get when they launch. So that is an impossibility. Nobody knows that. Um, but you can just ask for some averages, you know, on average. Uh, what is it? Also ask, on average, how many members have you got after three months? Um, that will give you a little bit of an idea as to how long their audience stays with the service. Um, obviously, you want that to be as high as possible because you want uh, you want to be launching to an audience who understand the losing streaks, <laughs> understand that you have to follow for an extended period of time that, that sports betting, profitable sports betting is long-term, long-term being, I, I usually say six months plus, but really a year or longer. Um, so it gives you a basic idea. You know, no one's going to give you exact figures because it's always different. And ultimately, how much profit you make over three months is going to make the first three months going to make a big difference as to how many followers you've still got at the end of the first three months. But it gives you a rough idea of what to expect from the publishing company as a company. Just go and ask those questions to a handful of them and see what they come back with. Um, so, in summary, Going the publisher route makes for a much easier, totally hands-off approach. Um, and you can get started making the income from your tipping as soon as you are accepted and your proofing period has ended, be it three months or six months. Doing it yourself is going to give you complete control uh, and ultimately should give you higher earnings, but you're running a business. So um, there's a lot more to it and, and you're putting a lot more time into it um, as well. However, there is a, an alternative approach. Um, you may have noticed that a lot of tipsters seem to appear from nowhere. Um, you just suddenly get these emails in your inbox. I mean, that's what happens to me. I just suddenly one day I wake up and I'm like, oh, who are these folk? Um, in my inbox, <coughs> never heard of them. They're telling me how great some tipster is. Um, and I do one thing with those emails. I hit the delete button because I don't trust them. I don't know where they've come from. They've just suddenly appeared. Uh, and we've already spoken about how important trust is um, it, when building a following for your tips. So that means that there is an alternative approach because you can therefore engage instead, going down either of those two more traditional routes, you can engage in a community uh, like the Race Advisor community. Obviously, I'm going to say that because I think the Race Advisor community is um, one of the best and most brilliant communities out there with some of the friendliest and most successful betting folk um, out there. 
Um, but it could be any community. Um, uh, and you can build a following within that community. So you can join in the forum, you can share your expertise, your knowledge, your tips. Uh, you can answer questions, you can become engaged, you can become an active part of that community. And that gives the people in the community an opportunity to get to know who you are, how you analyse, your opinions on things. Um, and of course, they get to see you make a profit from your selections as well. And then when you you kind of help people, you've given um, to people, you've supported people, you've helped them to achieve something that they want to achieve, you've helped them on their journey. Then if you still want to be a tipster further down the line, you can. But you've already got people who are following you because you've helped them. And if you help others, if you give freely of your knowledge and your information and and your experience to others, those people are going to respond in kind by supporting you. Um, And I I know a number of people who've done this. And then they've actually gone on to decide that they don't want to be a tipster. Um, they're just happy to be part of an engaged community and help the other people in that community um, progress with whatever they are looking to progress with their own goals. Um, but I've also known people who have done that and continue to be engaged in that community and help others whilst then starting their own tipster service. So that's a, that's a slightly different, uh, an alternative approach where you give first. Uh, you help others first and then those people that you have helped will reciprocate as and when uh, the time is right, when the time is right for you, if you still want to launch that tipster service. Um, And uh, they will reciprocate that support. So, there you have it. That's kind of everything you need to know about the lucrative or the uh, the not-so-lucrative world of tipsters uh, there's always two sides of the coin um, and it's not quite as simple as some folk put out there um, and you should always remember if you want to go down the publisher route that publishing companies are a business so they have to be able to make a worthwhile profit from your service to make it viable for them to publish your selections to their audience. Um, So when you approach a publishing company, if that's the way you want to go, bear that in mind. You've now got an idea of where their costs are, how much they may cost, and obviously the bigger the company, the bigger their costs are going to be because they're going to have more staff and... (laughs) bigger audiences and more marketing and all the other bits that bolt on big companies have um or maybe you're going to do it yourself maybe i've just confirmed what you already knew or or what you're already experiencing um or maybe this has been sort of like something totally different to what you thought running a tipster service might be like um Either way, I would love to know um, if this has confirmed your thoughts, if this is totally different to what you expected, if this has clarified it, if you've been thinking about becoming a tipster and weren't really sure, and this has kind of helped to solidify in your mind whether it's something you want to do or, or to pursue. Um, I'd love I'd love to hear from you. So um, 
either leave me a message or send me an email. Uh, but do get in touch somehow. I'd love to hear your experiences and your thoughts on the world of tipping and becoming uh, a tipster. And I'd also love to hear if you've enjoyed this uh, this video or a podcast, depending on, on how you're listening to it and whether you'd like to have more of them. Um, I've really enjoyed recording it. Uh, it's As you can see, it's totally informal. Uh, and if you enjoy watching it, then I will record more of them. So welcome to the very first uh, informal um, chat, horse racing betting chat um, from the Race Advisor. Uh, my name is Michael Wilding. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Race Advisor podcast. Join us in our next episode. <laughs>